If you can help all those days or some of those days, that would be great. Lots of things to do with the kids. And get your children registered. You can register now online. Go to the website, click on VBS, and uh, register it up. So there's already kids re- I can't, There's already kids registering. So that's good. It's going to be busy. Uh, the men's study is on a break right now on Monday nights. But they'll start again on the 20th. And they're going to do a thing on the Beatitudes. And the women are still meeting on Monday nights. Grief Share will meet on the 19th. That's this Sunday, 6.30. That's a great group if you're dealing with loss of any kind. And uh, they, do, they do a good job of that. And um, Singlin Parenting will not meet next Tuesday. They've got to take one week off. So if you know anybody in that group, they're taking a break for the week. That's that. Cool. So uh, we're actually going to start a brand new course. So um, our Bible Institute, in case you don't know about what we've got going on here. So um, we have a Bible Institute that we started in 2014, and uh, it's grown kind of fascinatingly. There's 815 students right now enrolled. They're all over the world, um, which is kind of interesting. And... um, you can earn degrees with us, associate's degrees or bachelor's degrees, if you want, and it's all free. Uh, so what we've done now is we're, there's 115 courses, I think, online. But as I teach now on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, we're wrapping those into courses as well. So we're adding to it that way. So if you want, uh, you can register on the Institute, and just by showing up here, uh, you, will, you will earn uh, courses credits towards a degree or you can just come and hang out you don't have to do any of it you don't have to register online if you do take the courses online you have to listen here and then you there's a question that comes with it and then at the end of it all you have to write a little paper uh, if you want credit but if you just want to listen and learn that's great too you can do all those things but you could if you want to go on the institute and take courses those are all free too there's some great courses on there and you can do those at your own pace So that's our Bible Institute. We're going to start, uh, and we're going to do a few courses now on the Old Testament, I think. And um, so there'll be um, Old Testament 1, Old Testament 2, Old Testament 3, and we'll break it into chunks. And there should be about 11 or 12 lessons per course. So um, over the next 36 weeks, probably between now and the end of the year, you could earn three more courses if you want by just paying attention, answering a question, and writing a little paper at the end of every one. And a little form, you have to make a little comment. It's really not, not difficult, but you'll learn a lot. So we just finished up the letters of Paul, and uh, so this will be the week that we start in the Old Testament. And this first chunk we're going to cover from Genesis to 1 Samuel, not tonight, but uh, over the next 11 or 12 weeks. And so if you're taking it and you want to take it for credit too, you should start reading through the Old Testament. But it's fascinating reading, especially if we kind of know what we're looking at and what's going on. So um, the Old Testament, so we're just going to do an intro today of what's happening, and then we'll start digging in next week. But, but uh, you, know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of you reading your Bibles, and I'm encouraging you to read these all the time. You, it, you need to spend time in this book. Um, and, and it needs to be, you know, just becomes part of your life. And I've, I've been telling you on Sundays in particular in this last series that we're in, um, you need to read it and understand from beginning to end that this is his story. And so I've been trying to show you a lot of ways how it ties together and things that we're looking for um, in, the, in this journey. Um, so, so you need to be reading it for yourself. And, and some people 
are sort of uh, hesitant to read the Old Testament. Some believers say, oh, well, we're New Testament people. Well, yeah, we're New Testament people, but the New Testament just completes the Old Testament. And you miss a big chunk of the story if you don't read the whole thing. And there's still, this isn't a guilt trip, but as believers, you, you really have to read the book. There's, you, you should read it. You should read it more than once. You should read it from cover to cover. You should, you should be reading it like that. So if you haven't ever done that, no guilt, just start. And just start taking it in because the stuff that's in there is amazing. It's a fascinating. There's nothing like the Bible. There's no other book like the Bible because the Bible's alive. The words, it's the very, it's, you know, the, the scripture says it's God breathed. It's, it's the breath of God. He breathes into it and the Holy Spirit illuminates it to us. And there's, there's so much going on that, that if you'll just, you know, you pray that simple prayer I've been teaching you, Holy Spirit, just show me what you want me to see today and, and watch it come alive to you. In so many different ways, and you'll start seeing, he'll, he'll start showing you how things are tied together and how amazing they are in our lives. So we'll do a little intro of the Old Testament. Um, so the Old Testament, or you, some, some people know it as the Old Covenant, uh, uh, a testament or a covenant is an agreement between two people or between God and man, based ultimately between God and man on the death of something or someone. Uh, in the New Testament verse in Hebrews 9:16, the writer of Hebrews says, "In the case of a will, it's necessary to prove the death of the one who made it." So, when you hear testament, you, you probably have heard of like will and testament. Uh, you've heard that phrase before. Well, the the will and testament. What happens is that the death validates the will. So you have a you have a will, but nobody acts on it until until you until you die. So, so there's that sort of understanding that we have there already. So in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, God enters a relationship in a, in a relationship with man based on the death of a substitutionary sacrifice of an animal. And so we'll be seeing that. That's the basis of that covenant is that sin has separated us. But back in the Old Testament, they, they covered it temporarily, if you would, through the death of a sacrifice of an animal. In the New Testament, or the New Covenant, um, God enters into relationship with us based on what Jesus has done, based on Christ's death, his, his blood shed for us. And so you guys are aware of that. So, so that's the idea between the Old and, and the New Covenants that we have, the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament books, when you start to read the Old Testament, another thing you need to know is that they are not in chronological order. So often when we read something, we're used to books being laid out chronologically, and so we just assume that all books are laid out that way. But the Bible is not. So um, the Bibles have an order, but but um, some you may read something and you something after it may actually have happened before it, and so it's kind of important to know that that's possible. So sometimes people get confused in that process, but um, there are some chronological differences in the way the books are there. And let's talk about the books of the Old Testament. So uh, in, in our Bibles, we have 39 books that make up the Old Testament. We have 27 books that make up the New Testament. You know that. Um, the five books of the Old Testament, I'm pretty sure I put these on your notes. The five books, pardon me, of the first five books of the Old Testament are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, you will hear them referred to as uh, sometimes the law or the Law of Moses, or the Pentateuch, or the Torah. All of those terms that I just gave you are referring to the first five books of the Bible. The next 12 books in the Old Testament are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, 
and Esther. Anybody here go to Sunday school when you were a kid and learn the song about all the books in the Bible? Any of you? Some, yeah, Danita did. Okay, good. So um, you may have heard some of these before. Those 12 books that I just, uh, are, are, we know them as the historical books filled with the history of what's happening. The next five books are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And those are known as the books of poetry. The books of poetry. The next five, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Those five are known as the major prophets. So you'll hear things like those terms come up, the major prophets. And then the next 12 books are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So those are the next 12, and those are called the minor prophets. So you have major prophets, you have minor prophets there at the end. And that's how we come up today with our 39 books of the Old Testament. Seventeen of them really would be sort of historical books, and that's the law. Uh, and the historical books that we gave you. Uh, five would be considered sort of experiential books, and that's the books of poetry, um, which are the Psalms and the Proverbs, and the other ones I gave you on the list. And then there's 17 prophetical books, if you would, the major and the minor prophets. Um, and so all of them are fascinating, and especially as you hold them in the context of what's happening, and if you... You know, hopefully in our little survey here, you'll start getting what was happening with Israel and how it all sort of came to be and what they were up to and why there are so many problems and how they just could never seem to really do what they were supposed to do. And, and then we'll see ourselves in a lot of the things that are going on as well. The Old Testament was inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe the entire scripture was uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Old Testament was written by uh, 30 different writers over about a 1,200-year period. So another fascinating thing about the Bible is how um, over a couple of thousand-year period to get the entire work um, and, and over 40 different authors in total once we have it together, but that there's this thread and this theme that runs throughout the Scripture and all these things tie together. You, you couldn't pick... Um, think of any other... I mean, it's, it's, so they're all writing at, at slightly different times, uh, in different seasons, in different events, uh, in different periods of time. These, these, these different folks are writing. And, and so, you know, I, I think about it this way. Can you imagine going to the library and just sort of picking out any 40 books uh, written by 40 different, you know, 40 different authors and trying to put them together into a cohesive sort of book that you could read. It, you, it's, it, not, you couldn't do it, but the scripture is like that because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. You need to understand the, the depth behind it. That, uh, and especially now in our culture, people are trying to write it off as another book or they, they're changing what inspired actually means. They, they start thinking... Uh, so sometimes if you ask someone if they think the scripture is inspired, and they say, yes, you have to go after what they mean by inspired because they'll say, well, just like a Christian song is inspired. It's not the same. Uh, you know, certainly Christian songs can be uh, anointed by the Holy Spirit and given as gifts from the Spirit, but it's not the same thing as the Scripture by a long shot. 
So the scripture is, is the inspired word of God. It was, it was given through men by the Holy Spirit to us today. And we have to understand that in the scripture. And trust me, culturally, that's being taken away. They're, they're chipping away at that. They're trying to make it so it's just something else. If they can just make this uh, something else, then, then they start kicking away at everything, which is happening in big chunks of the church. But we, we understand what it is and what it means. And we're hanging on to it. Uh, Romans, the Apostle Paul, we just did a lot of studying for him in Romans 15, 14. He said, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. Now, the, the other thing to remember as you start looking at the Old Testament was that the Old Testament was what the scripture that the early church had. That's what they had until the the writers of the New Testament started engaging uh, in Scripture around 50 A.D. You know, Paul started to write and the other guys started to write shortly thereafter. And all of that was written between 50 and 90 A.D., um, 45 and 90 A.D. Uh, but, but the early church uh, had the Old Testament as its Scripture. And so when you're, when you're reading the New Testament, they keep referring to the Old Testament because that's what they had. That was their, their holy scripture at that point in time. The Old Testament covers the history of Israel and Judah from creation um, through Malachi. Uh, and Malachi was written around 400 B.C. And the book of Job might actually predate Genesis. So Job is very possibly the oldest of the books in the Bible. Um, so, you know, when, when we get into Genesis, you know, Genesis and, and the first five books were given to Moses from the Lord, and they, they cover periods of time, obviously, way before Moses was on the scene. And, and so, you know, the inspired works of this is how it all came to be uh, was given through Moses to us. So, so we have these 39 books, and then sometimes people, well, why are there just those 39? Uh, we have scripture that relates to these, New Testament scripture relating to what we know in the Old Testament. In Luke 24, 44, Jesus said to him, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms. So he's sort of giving us there, Jesus, three divisions of scripture, Moses, the prophets, and the writings, which ties in pretty well with sort of the way we understand the grouping now, but it ties in even better with the way the Old Testament was grouped at the time um, that the early church had it, at the time of Jesus, when they had it. So the Old Testament then, um, and we know from recorded history, there's a, there's a great Jewish historian named Josephus. Uh, Josephus Flavius, actually, but Josephus is how he's known. Have you ever heard of Josephus before? Josephus is a is, was a, a Jewish historian that wrote at the time of Jesus and uh, extremely well established and respected in what's going on. And he actually says this in, in one of his writings. He says, um, do you, and before I read it, do you know that, that online now all of these amazing works are available and, and most of them are there and you can just actually read through. It's fascinating. Uh, some of them are, are, a lot of the Josephus works you can read and you can just page through what he's written, and that, that, that's available to all of us now. All these amazing books are fascinating. Anyway, he wrote this. He wrote this. We do not possess myriads of inconsistent books 
conflicting with each other. He's writing about the Old Testament. Our books, those which are justly accredited, those they believe to be inspired by their God, are but two and twenty and contain the record of all time. So at the time of the writing, they had their Old Testament was in 22 books. And you say, well, we have 39. How did that happen? Did we add 17 books? No, they were grouped differently um, in the first century church. And remember, um, Scripture. So when, when these letters and books were written, they, weren't, they didn't stop and keep adding those little numbers every time they wrote uh, a thought, right? That you know, Everybody understands that all the chapter headings and Scripture references are added later uh, so that we could actually talk about it and study it together in, a, in a, an easier way. It was put there for ease of convenience. So I could say to you, you know, you go to Genesis 1-1. We could have said go to the beginning, but I can say to go, go to Psalm 43-22, and we can all get to the same spot. You know, if it's, it's those kind of things that we can do, where if we didn't, we'd, we'd have trouble finding it together. Did you, uh, anybody here, anybody, you ever read the message paraphrase? Uh, when it first came out, it didn't have little numbers in it. Did you, anybody ever try that? And it was, it was difficult to sort of figure out how it lined up. And so sh- shortly thereafter, they published it again with a little number references in it. But initially, Eugene Peterson was trying to hold it true to the way it would have been written so that you don't um, automatically take, when you're reading scripture, you have to hold in context the fact that the numbers were added and the thoughts were maybe not finished when they changed half chapters. So a lot is a new thought and it changes the context so as you read scripture you have to be aware of that that's why you always pray holy spirit will you show me what's going on and he does so how do the 22 books relate to our 39 books very cool actually uh, in the process so i wanted to run you through it so the law of moses stays the same first five books genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy so that's five of their 22 then they had a grouping called the former prophets uh, which we, we call them major prophets, but, but they call them the former prophets. And there were four books. There was the book of Joshua. Judges and Ruth were one book. First and second Samuel were one book. And first and second Kings were one book. So there's four of them, right? So there's five and there's four. That's nine. Then they had what they called the latter prophets. That comprised of four books. Isaiah was one. Jeremiah and Lamentations was another Ezekiel was another, and then all 12 of the minor prophets were together in, in, as one book. So that's four more. So where are we at? Five and four is nine, and four is 13. Got nine left. Well, good. Those last nine are called the writings, and they include Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Ezra and Nehemiah as one book, Esther, Daniel, and First and Second Chronicles as one book. So they were in a different chunk. That's why when you read First and Second Chronicles and you see that they're comparing a lot of time to the kings, but they were sort of separate in the scripture for that reason. So, so by that reckoning, there's 22, but that directly uh, correlates to our 39. And to those 22, we also can, uh, in Luke, uh, Jesus sort of points to this idea of the way it was written. So it would have been from there, in their writing, it would have been from Genesis to Second Chronicles was the way that was written, right? So now we have Genesis to Malachi, but they would have gone, if you were looking through, that was the order I gave you, that would be, you'd have Genesis through Second Chronicles. Well, in Luke 11:51, it says, from the blood of Abel, who was in Genesis, to the blood of Zechariah, 
who was in Second Chronicles, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. So uh, it's a reference to the entire scripture as we know it in, in the way that they would have understood it at that point in time, which would have been from Genesis to Second Chronicles. So, um, so you have in Luke, you have Jesus referring to the Old Testament scripture in a couple of ways. It ties it all together for us so that we can be very confident in the scripture that we have is the inspired word of God and it's what we need to have. So you need to know that. Also, you know, um, B.C., most of you know B.C., right? Before Christ and A.D. is Anno uh, Domini, which means the year of the Lord. You know, it's also been changed, right? So now it's B.C.E., before the common era and C.E., the common era. But we understand it's the break in time for the last 2,000 years has been the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world was the coming of Jesus. Important enough that it broke the calendar. And uh, we've known it that way. We know what's still going on and they, everything. So in that important of event, which it is, think about it, everything that happened before that event, and now we're tracking everything that happened after that event. So that's how that works. And then, oh, let's see. Also, um, another thing that happens in the Old Testament is that, that people would use... Um, significant uh, events like who the king was to sort of uh, or some major catastrophe in order to record themselves chronologically in the scripture so we'll see that happening a lot isaiah says in isaiah 6 1 in the year that king uzziah died i saw the lord look um, seated on a throne high and exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple so now now we know where where isaiah was writing chronologically because he was writing in the time of king uzziah and and in the year that he died this is what I saw and what was going on. But perhaps the most important chronological verse in the Old Testament, because of historical and, uh, and uh, geological findings uh, in history, 1 Kings 6.1. Because uh, here we have a perfect place to find scripture from. In the 480th year after the Israelites had come out of Egypt... In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, the second month, he began to build the temple of the Lord. Now, why that's an important date for us is it allows us to date a bunch of things. And, and what happens is we know from external evidence that uh, this is a reference to 966 B.C. Because we, can, we, can, we know um, when, when the reign started and when these things happened. We know when Solomon's reign was because there's other historical events that line up with it. And so we know when he started, and so we know that the fourth year of Solomon's reign uh, was the year 966 B.C. So now that you have a fixed date in history, you can, you can sort of find the dates for all sorts of things in the Scripture. So um, we know it was the fourth year of Solomon's reign, so, so then we know that he, he became king in 970 B.C., and we know before that, David was king, and David was king for 40 years. So David became king in 1010 B.C. And we know that Saul was king for 40 years before that. So Saul became king in 1050 B.C. And that scripture tells us that the Exodus happened 480 years prior to that event. So the Exodus happens in 1446 B.C. So that those are, uh, I like having dates to those things. And you can see what's going on. And uh, in Exodus 12:40, it says that the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 
years. So if the, if the exodus happened in 1446 B.C., then Israel went to Egypt in 1876 B.C. Now, the, that particular verse of 430 years, um, there's a couple of d- debates about if it was really 430 years or was it 230 years or something less. And in history, there's a couple of things. So there, we're not 100% sure, but you can, you're pretty close, 1876 B.C. Well, that's when we know, that's when uh, Israel, Jacob, went to Egypt uh, in the process, and we'll read about that in a little bit. And then we can start tying things back in from there. Genesis 47.9, Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult. They do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. So Jacob was 130 years old in 1876 B.C. So that means he was born in 2006 B.C. And because we know that, Genesis 25:26. After this, his brother came out with his hand, grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So Jacob was born when Isaac was 60. So Isaac was born in 2066 B.C. And in Genesis 21:5, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So Abraham then was born in 2166 B.C. Pretty interesting to note, right? In Genesis 12:4, Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he was sent out from Haran. So uh, Abraham left Haran in 2091 B.C., and that's kind of the date that we have that starts tracking us through um, what we understand from the patriarchs and everything till we go. Um, you, can, you can kind of track days back from there, back through creation, but we're not exactly sure how long a generation was. Or if they got all the generations in there, and sometimes it looks like they skip from grandfather to grandson. And so there might be um, time change in So, interesting stuff, I think, as you go through the journey. Um, just to put it in you know, a little um, time frame of history as we start to dig into it. So when we, we start looking at... Um, you know, our verses, when we, when we get into Genesis and we start talking about the patriarchs, you have a sense of time of when that was happening. It was about 2000 B.C. <clears throat> when, when those things start happening. And then the kings come along at around 1000 B.C. And things start happening. And then we'll, we'll be able to see where the exile takes place in, in about 500 B.C. And then Micah, or Malachi is written in 400 B.C. And then there's 400 years of silence. Um, which they, we knew was coming until uh, John the Baptist pops on the scene. And that's when we start understanding the New Testament is, you know, with the arrival of, of John the Baptist saying, here comes Jesus. And then Jesus comes, and that's good news for us and uh, for, you know, everyone. So that's kind of a, just a way to kind of get it settled. We'll start digging into Genesis next week. Um, if you get a chance over the week, start to read some of Genesis. I'd, I'd encourage you to just sit down and ask the Holy Spirit to show you things and read through it. It's a, it's a great read, uh, a fascinating reading. And, and just look at what God's doing. And remember, it's all his story. And, and he's in there from, from beginning to end. And, and you'll start seeing how things tie together. But look at the creation account. Remember some of the stories I've told you about creation now and, and how... You know, in effect, it was just void and formless. It was, uh, from our understanding, it was just a, a big ball covered in water. 
And then uh, as Jesus, as the Lord speaks into the whole mess ten times, uh, he creates this paradise, this, this place for, for him to relate with man. Heaven and earth could meet. And, and then what we do is we sin and we blow that whole thing apart. And, and then you'll see this redemption that starts to happen. And, and the flood is sort of a reset, right? Because it goes back to a big ball covered in water. Fascinating when you see some of these things are tying together. But there's the ark now with, with the, the path of redemption is still intact, moving towards what's happening. You'll start seeing those things tie together. So read um, through some Genesis before we get back next week. And that's enough. I've talked for enough for tonight. So if you're watching my video, thanks for watching. And we will uh, we'll get back at it soon. All right. God bless you. All right. If you have prayer requests, why don't you pass them up to me. And I will pray for you. And then we'll call it an evening. And now you're ready for an in-depth study of the Old Testament. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.